Hey, travel bosses. This week's sponsor is TripStreak. The next time you need to book a flight and you want to be able to search by preferences like lay down seats or red eye flights or not, check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. That's tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss. Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 173 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here today with Shadi Alababidi Patterson. Close. Did I say that right? Close. How do you say it? Alababidi. I, I never would have got that. <laughs> it's okay. No one does. <laughs> so we met here in a co-working space in Kiev, Ukraine, out of all random places. But you are not Ukrainian. Like, What, what is your backstory? Um, I'm English and uh, I just happen to find myself here. In this beautiful country, and I'm currently living here. Okay, nice. And you are launching ICOs. Yes, we are. What is that? What's an ICO? Yeah. ICO stands for Initial Coin Offering. You can think of it something similar to an IPO, except for it's a lot less regulated, concerns more countries and more retail investors. So I definitely want to get into cryptocurrencies, your thoughts on Bitcoin, on future cryptocurrencies on ICOs and all that. But I, I'm very curious how you even got to this like this point. Like w- like what was what were you what's, what's kind of like your background? What else have you worked on? We were doing uh large budget ad spends for drop shipping, e-commerce, Amazon FBA, right? The, uh, you know, the normal go to Facebook, AdWords, this type of thing. We noticed a huge gap in the market for marketers in this industry. Currently, the teams are incredibly smart, PhDs, developers, economists, sometimes politicians, academics, and this type, who have no clue on marketing whatsoever. So you, so your company, the 8760, is basically an internet marketing company, but you guys specialize in launching these ICOs, these initial coin offerings. Sure. So you can think of us as like a standard PPC shop, but we do a lot in China, Korea, Japan, Russia for like native ad buys and PR. And then we do advisory on things such as token structure, ICO structure, and uh, all these meta things to do with actual ICOs. So let's actually break this down like a little bit, because I think a lot of people listening to this are either still working like a normal job. They're thinking, okay, this, this is over my head. But I almost kind of think of it as whatever product someone's going to launch they need some kind of marketing strategy, some kind of marketing funnel. They need to get outside traffic, uh, whether it's through paid ads or through you know some kind of organic traffic. And this, I'm assuming you, you didn't just gain these skills just for the ICO. These are skills that you picked up along the way, marketing for e-commerce or dropshipping or other sites. Is that true? Of course, right? It's a whole collection of skills. And I hate the term, but also a lot of growth hacking and Think about things in different ways, right? Targeting different communities. The end consumer is, is, is essentially an investment. So, so the product you're selling is completely different and there's different rules that go along with said product. So, so let's just rewind real quick about when you would help launch 
e-commerce to drop shipping? Like, what was that like? And then, then I'm curious how that's different than with the ICOs. So e-commerce is a piece of piss, in my opinion, right? It's where you get your marketing chops for Facebook and whatnot. If you want to be a marketer, the best thing to do is build your own Shopify store and stop drop shipping, in my opinion, because it's the hardest learning curve, but you obtain all necessary skills on every aspect of marketing. For, for example, you know, urgency timers, pop-ups, micro-conversions, Facebook ads, AdWords, all of these things on one store that you can start right now, right? Wait, wait, well, what's a piece of piss? Uh, easy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it's not easy, but... It's like the easiest one-stop way to try to gain some of these skills, right? Sure. So I, I always say that instead of, you know, going to these courses and whatnot, there's, there's an abundance of f- free information and, you know, you get help and whatnot. But if, if you want to learn and you want to learn fast, just do it yourself and do dropshipping or something like this. Okay. Uh, and by the way, this is, <laughs> to your viewers, this isn't because I'm talking to Johnny, I'm talking about dropshipping. Like, it is the number one way to, to, to learn, in my opinion. Well, you know what's actually funny is I think sometimes people will just assume that all my friends are dropshippers. Right. I had no idea you used to dropship until like literally right now. Yeah. I thought you were just a, a crypto guy. Yeah, yeah. What you find in like, for example, we just hired a PPC guy this Monday is everyone gets their chops through doing, you know, big ad spends on selling like incense oils, sunglasses or stuff like this, right? Because selling these $20, $30 items with like half a million dollar a month budgets is is the best way to learn. And kind of the only way to learn, which is interesting because you're not going to land like huge B2B clients as a freelancer unless you're really putting the hustle in. But if you if you own your own small dropshipping store that you can scale up, it's it's those skills that you would learn. I mean, yeah, you're right because if you work for a company that's in traditional business-to-business sales, there's no way they're going to give you a half a million dollar a month budget, but it's your own store and you start with a $100 a month budget and that works and you ramp that up, you reinvest the profits into a $1,000 a month budget and eventually it just makes sense to just keep scaling because if you're getting a positive return on investment, why wouldn't you just keep scaling that up? Exactly. And, and, and the point you didn't hit on is the fact that it's for yourself. You're not spending other people's money, right? So you've got skin in the game and so you're more intent on making it work. That definitely makes sense. Actually, what's funny is at last year's Nomad Summit 2017, I had no idea that it, like really any of the speakers had anything that started started joshing. It just it was just like this random thing that came out literally two nights before during rehearsals when I would listen to their their talks. They would mention their background, and more than seventy five percent of them, more than three out of four of them, had some kind of background in dropshipping. Not 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 that they're doing it today as their you know primary profession anymore, but just like what you mentioned, so many people kind of cut their teeth or learn the skills by putting their own money into building a small business and learning how to do you know pretty much everything you had, you had just mentioned, like things like the just basic on-page marketing, getting traffic, buying traffic, dealing with conversions, and even little things like figuring out like accounting and kind of basics. Oh, exa- exactly. And uh, and what you'll find is, you know, you hit some sort of cap and and, and, and cap can be in uh, multiple areas. It might be money, it might be scaling or whatever, the number of products you can sell. And then all of these people will kind of then go into, you know, private labeling or Amazon FBA or something like this, right? So, so you get your chops, you learn about the product, you learn about the logistics and stuff, you realize, okay, maybe e-packet is a more efficient way to do it. And then you uh, you you evolve, you learn, you you know you scale yourself. 
Or if anything, you just get bored of it like I did. Where I'm like, okay, you know, it's great to make five grand a month from these stores. I can flip them for 60. It's good money, but I'm bored of doing the same thing over and over again. But I'm glad I did it because I learned all the skills. And I- this, this is the funny thing, right? You're, you're talking to people and it's, it's definitely a pyramid of like income for dropshippers, right? But once you hit that inflection point and you start hitting ROI on your daily ad spend on, for example, Facebook, right? Directly through cold traffic. And you figure it out, okay, it'll be exciting, you know, up until 50, 60K a month. And you do that for five months, uh, three months maybe. And then you're like, well, what now, right? Like, exactly. And, and I think to some people listening to this, they're like, you know, F these guys. Like, I wish I can make, even, you know, a quarter of that. Or I wish I can make any of that while being location dependent, you know, because... That was revenue, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think people, I mean, I think, I mean, that's actually one point where I think... Even though it's very clear that we talk about like revenue versus profit, like I, I specifically will say the word profit when I say like how much I make. I actually almost never even mention revenue mm-hmm. because I think so many people just kind of get their their minds kind of like sure. clouded or, or blown. Mm-hmm. But I think then they see the screenshot of the dashboard. And even though I very clearly on the bottom will it put in bold bold numbers like net profit people still just see that big number of 30k a month or whatever it is and they're like oh shit this guy makes 30k a month from his dropshipping store even though like it is literally like you scroll down like two centimeters and it's right there right so so, so let me clarify i think of dropshipping as djing and let me explain so i was doing dj lessons last year and a lot of people you know think perhaps you think djing is quite difficult but but actually you know once you get the basics down it's quite simple and and what you find out is the added value in being a DJ isn't how you mix or something like this. Usually, when you go to the club, it's selection, right? And the analogy that I'm trying to, trying to use is the fact that uh, for most dropshipping stores, the reason why you fail or you're failing isn't because of your marketing. Perhaps it is. It's because of product selection and what niche you're going into, right? So once you hit that cap in your certain niche, it's not a case of scaling the same store over and over again. It's going to new products and new niches, right? The selection, uh, and this is what can be boring or depressing, right? Because you might find out that your niche is women's socks for swimming, okay? And it's like, well, do I really want to sell women's socks for swimming? Okay, you know, you can do 20K in profit a month, but is this what I want to do with my life? Yeah, and I think that's why so much talent moves on into something else. And I really think that there is a huge, 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 huge future for some type of cryptocurrency. I actually personally, and let's talk about this now because this is exciting for me where I really believe that this is kind of like the early 90s of the internet where it is there to stay. It is not, wasn't easy to use. I don't know if you gave, if you gave me a a computer in 1991 or something and you said, Johnny, I guarantee you this is the future. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. It's going to be very hard for you to even even connect online. It's going to be even harder for you to make a website. It's going to be – there's no straightforward way to buy a domain name. There's no straightforward way to host. You're going to have to do everything kind of like patch, patchwork. But I guarantee it's the future. I don't know if even knowing that for sure, certain that it was the future that there was going to be trillions of dollars made in the internet, I don't know if I would have been willing to jump through all those hoops to you know patch up my own internet, patch up my own website, and be an early adopter. And I feel like that's what like cryptocurrency is now. Where I I know for sure some type of cryptocurrency is the future, but it's not easy to to get in. Sure, I mean Seth Gowin, right? He basically said, "I saw it happening in front of me. I didn't really understand what was going on, 
So instead of joining it, I just wrote a book, right? And, and, and a lot of people have this FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Like, what the hell is happening? It's going so fast. So much money's flowing in. And it's like a huge educational and intellectual learning curve to even start getting into crypto and actually understanding it right. Bitcoin's easy to buy, but understanding Bitcoin, reading the white papers and the actual mechanisms, even keeping up with the news of Bitcoin is like a hard thing. And so all these other developments is just crazy, even for us. And we're looking at it every single day. So what's crazy is because I'm you know, best friends with Chris and he's super into, into crypto, when I asked him, hey, you know, I'm thinking about buying some Bitcoin. And this is like a few months ago because when I first heard about the Bitcoin cash fork and I said, hey, I'm thinking about buying some Bitcoin, he all of a sudden asked me like these eight very high level questions, you know, things like what wallet? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it sounds pretty simple to you, I'm sure, but a lot of people listening, they don't realize that when you buy Bitcoin, if you want to do it in kind of the safest way possible, you don't store the, the Bitcoin in, in some you know, online cloud service like like Coinbase. Sure. You have it on your own personal wallet, which might be on your phone. But then if you lose your phone, then you have to have these like key these key phrases that you've written down on a piece of paper somewhere that you've you know that you can't lose or if someone finds it, they all of a sudden have the, have your Bitcoin and you can't reclaim it again. Sure. I mean there's four aspects. The first aspect is education and security, right? So I think we won't get adoption until we have this you should never trust a third party host with tens if not hundreds of thousands of your own dollars it's just a thing right because it's not that regulated my advice to any people listening is cold storage like a trezor or legend and os or put it on a piece of paper literally it's called a paper wallet you print it off you can't hack it make free copies give one to your loved ones the second aspect is trading right really what you're doing is you're hoping your investment will go up in value and it's trading most traders lose money, right? So if you're thinking of trading over a day time span, a week time span, I'm going to say it now, you're not smart enough to make money, right? If you're going to do it, you're buying it and you're going to wait a year and, and not look at it every single day. Well, that's kind of like buying stocks where exactly there are people who, I don't want to say get lucky, but really it is luck because even with all the foresight in the world, even the biggest New York you know, financial guys with access to information, this is all they do. On average, they don't make as much as like a, a standard index fund. So, and the ones that that do make money, in a sense, they are they've just gotten lucky, you know. And for if you guys aren't familiar with what that means, it's basically they've tracked the best fund managers all, and also the, all the mutual fund companies, people that get paid hundreds of thousands, not millions of dollars, to pick stocks. On average, they make less money than if someone had just bought like a Vanguard index fund or the S&P 500 and basically just bought all the stocks. And the ones that do make it, they think that they're geniuses because they're like, oh yeah, I beat the stock market right. until they don't. And then you never hear about them again. And I feel like with you know Bitcoin trading, it's the same thing where everybody is a genius when while Bitcoin is going up. But when they lose money, you, you just never hear about it. Sure. I mean, uh, let me refer to something you said earlier about knowledge and information, right? So the market's are somewhat free and perfect and i'm talking about like the real world markets right it's regulated sec there's tight controls and whatnot you're not going to find this in crypto it is the wild west there is insider trading there is market manipulation even in the biggest markets it's tough 
you know, if you're completely fresh to it, you shouldn't even really be looking to things like ICOs. And I'm the guy selling ICOs, right? You shouldn't be looking to ICOs. You've got Bitcoin, Ethereum, and maybe Monero, right? Which are like, which I would consider quote unquote safe investments. I think one thing you, you mentioned about manipulating the market, I don't, I, I didn't read the actual story, but it was something like a fake news story came out that the, the creator of Ethereum was in a car crash and died. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Ethereum value dropped a ton. And then whoever created that story profited from that. Sure. It was a meme start on 4chan. Even on a lower level, right? So you have to imagine in real world, world markets, there's like brokers and dark pools and liquidity pools between exchanges to find true price discovery. In crypto, there's, you know, one coin spread over 10 or 12 different markets so there's huge arbitrage opportunities, but also, you know, you might only have $500,000 or a million dollars in trading volume per day. So if a certain whale has, you know, 5 million of this certain coin, he can completely manipulate a single exchange and their market. Okay, that definitely makes sense. So if somebody that has a ton of, of, of Bitcoin, like... Even just ICO tokens, right? We see it happening in Bitcoin. The, the highest level kind of Twitter influencers and whatnot showed it, showed the data. And even on these super liquid billion dollar a day markets, there's still huge manipulation, right? Which is insane. Because you only need like 1%, even less perhaps, of total circulation on a certain market to us manipulate it. Okay. And by, by manipulate, you mean by you leveraging, either buying or selling more because you own so much of it, you can influence the price. Sure. So it could be, for example, creating huge sell orders at a certain price. And then when the price you know, gets to that point, all the sell orders just disappear. All of the buy volume disappears. And then you know, the whale changes sides and buys it all up. Okay. So if Tim Draper wanted to mess with the market, he could. Logistically, maybe not, in fi- but practically, yes. Okay. By the way, we had, um, do you know he's coming out with a TV show called Meet the Drapers? No, I didn't know that. We had the producer of that show come on the other podcast, Invest Like a Boss, episode 66, if you guys want to listen to it. But basically, I didn't know too much about him before this episode, but he's the guy that bought up all of the, um, the Silk Road coins, right? And that, that was worth, what, $30 million at the time? Now it's worth something like, I don't know. I didn't know that. And I didn't know how he did, did – how, how did he do that? Yeah, so basically when the Silk Road, which if you guys aren't familiar, it's the underground auction site. Uh, when that got shut down by the FBI, whoever it was, they confiscated $30 million worth of Bitcoin. And Tim Draper bought all of them. And this was at you know a much lower price. So now I think we did the calculation. We talked about it the episode. I don't remember what it, what it exactly is. But I think he's one of the, the single biggest holders of Bitcoin nowadays because it's gone up in value so much since then. Well, definitely, right? This, this was over a year ago, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was uh, quite a while ago. And it's it's gone up you know I don't, I don't know what the i think he i think when he bought in it was at and i have to listen to the episode again but i think it was something like he bought in at when it was like worth 30 million now it's worth more than 10 times Five, that six, amount seven. sure so i mean at least 400 percent returns and also he would got his bitcoin cash payout right yeah so speaking of that that was actually the reason why I wanted to buy Bitcoin a few weeks ago. And I actually remember sitting next to you with yeah. my Coinbase application open. F5ing, yeah. And you said, no, no, it's too late. Don't buy it right now. And it was because I, I knew that fork was coming. Can you explain that to, to people? So this is the weirdest thing to explain, but it was basically a point in history where free money was just created. It's 
And there's nothing like it you can compare to the real world because it isn't like quantitative easing. Essentially, Bitcoin did a thing called hard fork where two big parties in Bitcoin disagreed, these miners. And so 5% of the pool, the mining pool, forked into another direction, right? And, and the fork is basically, you've got this blockchain, you can think of it as like a single line, and then it diverges into two, right? And so what this Bitcoin Cash peeps did is they said, if you've got one Bitcoin, we'll give you one Bitcoin Cash. But it's crazy. So for every one Bitcoin you had, and at the time it was about $3,000, $2,800, you were given one Bitcoin Cash, which was worth $300. Today it's worth about $900, $1,000. So it's, it's almost kind of to explain, like imagine if you're part of the EU, before it's the EU. So like let's say you're in, in Germany or something, and you had their, whatever their, German dollar was whatever it's called ruble definitely not rubles but yeah. let's say you had you know a hundred German dollars and they said okay well now we're gonna be we're gonna adopt the euro but what we're gonna do is for every hundred German dollars you have we're just gonna give you one euro and now you have both yeah it's, it's a neat way to think about it and I just had this feeling I was like well this just makes sense because it's free money and either you know one or two things are gonna happen what either it's going, to be, it's going to be worthless because, you know, people are going to get this free money, not trust it. It's not going to be adopted. It's going to sell it off. And, you know, maybe I just kind of just did all this work for nothing. Maybe I got some money out of it. Or it's going to become another standard and then be one day the worth the same as Bitcoin or maybe even surpass it. Sure. I mean, exactly. Earlier, I was talking about four points of knowledge. So it's kind of like the third point is the divergence was in things like monetary policy, right? So the economics of the coin, how it's mined, the block size, how much power is needed and stuff like this, right? So there's people that believe that this second Bitcoin is the real Bitcoin, right? And you're finding things happening now, such as uh, BitPay and CoPay, one of the largest Bitcoin debit card providers, you know, changing their naming conventions or certain like developer software packages to be like completely confusing, right? It's so, so like the terminology even it's, it's it's like all super contentious and then adoption's completely weird as well so bitcoin cash is super super popular in asia it's just like why right so let's actually talk for a second about why we we feel like cryptocurrency is is the future i mean i'm, I'm assuming you you believe that's gonna it's, this this isn't going anywhere that's like the reason why i'm such a firm believer in it is because as someone who does online banking transactions you know pretty much every day because my customers are mostly in the u.s but because i have a online business especially with digital products people from all around the world are buying my products so i have a new course coming out and people from australia are going to buy it people from the middle east people from you know south america and it's not going to be u.s dollars so for them to pay me they have to pay these outrageous transfer fees even canadians they're like they're like johnny why am i paying 40% more, for, you know, for because your course is in, in, in dollars. And I'm like, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do about it. But they get screwed by their bank. They get screwed by the conversion rate. They get screwed by PayPal. They get screwed by, you know, these other, you know, Visa MasterCard, they use that connected to PayPal. And then PayPal screws me by holding the cash saying, well, the, you know, this looks strange. It's coming from Canada. You, you're in Thailand collecting the money in Ukraine. And then they hold you know, my cash. And as someone who's kind of seen the way this works, I really believe this is the future. I think people are going to start working more internationally, more remotely. And 
having you know being tied down to not only a single currency and not having that ease of transfer between international currencies but also just getting screwed by all these you know uh, middlemen banks like PayPal is a piece of crap if you guys are listening F- Bank of America is a piece of crap you know Wells Fargo is a piece of crap you know pretty much all banks are pretty much pieces of crap and we just have to continue using because we have no other choice right now sure so it's it's a trade-off and, and it's funny so the reason banks and credit cards are charging this 0.75% fees or stuff like this. Uh, people think it's for profit, but actually it all goes on fraud protection. And it's a huge education learning curve if you're going to use crypto. But if you're sending peer-to-peer, like if I was sending Johnny Bitcoin for a good or service, there's really no need for fraud protection because of the way blockchain works is, you know, you can't send a transaction twice and things like this, right? You can't uh, fake and transaction and stuff like this, right? So within the, I think it's important to talk about, within the crypto sphere, there's a ton of fraud, hacks, scams, stuff like this. And actually, it's not in the same way as credit card fraud, right? So it's all to do with education, right? Like clicking the wrong links and getting your private keys jacked or, you know, you logging into your wallet in, a, in an airport, right? And things like this, or keeping your money on an exchange, right? Hundreds of millions have been lost through this way. And so, yeah, it's the future. We're more globalized. The benefits are cheap transactions, fast transactions, and both parties can publicly see that it's gone through instantly. It's almost kind of like an escrow as well. So I've sold a couple of my dropshipping stores now, and it's been a pain in the butt to try to get the money transferred in a way where it's beneficial to both of us and smooth. Luckily, both my transactions have been in person. One, I met up with a guy in Thailand. The other one, I met up with a guy in Bali just because it was easy. You know, he could take a vacation by just flying to Bali. We can just sit next to each other. I can click transfer. He can click send and we're good. But for most transactions, especially, you know, selling like an e-commerce business, people aren't going to fly from the US to Europe to just do that. They're going to want to do it online and they have to go through like an escrow service. Sure. So a lot of people have probably heard of Ethereum. And if you haven't, you can think of it as a Bitcoin, but with applications built on top. There's a Chinese version called Neo, but I don't think it's worth talking about now. So Ethereum has these things called smart contracts. And essentially, it's a distributed escrow, right? So Johnny can send money to the smart contract and it's completely autonomous. No one controls it. And the smart contract can have this logic that says, okay, when I send Johnny this dropshipping store, it has to pass information through a smart contract and like, I don't know, right? It'll be figured out, but it's completely autonomous, no middleman fees, virtually no transaction fees, and it all happens instantly. Yeah, so the smart contract, we can say, once the domain name is transferred into this name or once this Shopify account is transferred this name, then release X amount or the full amount of the Bitcoin or the, the crypto. But this is the value in, in crypto as a whole, right? So, so what we just described would basically replace empire flippers, right? Like overnight, if, if you could implement it. Because it's, it's hard to implement like developer-wise and we just suggested, obviously. But there's so many other applications in finance, in transactions where you need trust, but you can't trust each other, right? Because it, with these two transactions you just said about selling your businesses, if they didn't come to you, you don't trust you like you have to not trust them. You have to be completely digital, right? And so having this third party that's essentially just a piece of code on a server distributed across the world, this is like awesome. Yeah. I mean and, and to be fair, you know, Empire Flippers will still have value in like listing listing the site, maybe like vetting, but as far as the the escrow aspect of it, where they are the third party trusted, you know, person to kind of hold on and say, All right guys, 
when I say three, you give me the money, you yeah, give me yeah, the yeah, yeah, card. Yeah. That part will be automated. And the other the other reason why I'm so bullish on this is because there, for whatever reason, I we were having trouble like transferring cash from his bank account to mine because it was sixty grand. And the only way we could think of like easily doing it was to do six ten thousand dollar like PayPal transfers. Oh fuck! And what happened was the first two or three went through fine and it was it was great. And then all of a sudden PayPal Got flagged flagged it because they're like, well, you know, what's going on? Why why is there so much money being sent from one account to another? And the thing is, first off, why can't PayPal just let us do a a one time sixty thousand dollar transfer <laughs> and then just verify that and just like you know have us go on Skype or something and show our passport and be like, look, this is what we're doing. You know, is this okay? Why did it's so ridiculous that they just like allow these transfers to go through and then flag it? And it's been over a year and seven thousand of it is still tied up. Yeah, I I can show on PayPal all day. I mean. They do the job they're saying they're going to do, right? They they protect the seller, they protect your money, and it's 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 just the process after that, right? Like it's it's not fluid, right? It's not efficient. I mean, yeah, we could sit here and talk shit about PayPal all day. It's a solution to a problem that was had and they haven't caught up to the future. Yeah, and the thing is, I'm so happy that Wells Fargo existed back in the day when I needed a stagecoach to pick up my money in New York and right. drive it to California and guard that money, but. Today, I don't need that anymore. You know, we have internet banking and we have the fee. And I think in the, as time goes on, paying a $15 wire transfer fee to send money from one bank account to another is going to be absurd. I think it, to me, it's really absurd. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a Kodak moment. So banking is, is trying to catch up, right? So we see services like number 26 or TransferWise or Revolut and all, and all these services. Banking as we know it, you know, in the next five years, the landscape will be completely different. First of all, because all of the, you know, let's have first let's separate banking from like investing, right? So first of all, investing wise, all the smart money and stuff is likely going to flow into crypto once it gets regulated and all those kind of things. So it's going to be a completely new landscape. Secondly, banking just won't be needed. Like, okay, you still need ATMs and stuff, but it'll, it'll kind of be some like private anarchist world where it isn't an oligopoly between banks who can control the fees and whatnot. And there's no need for the fees that they levy because it's solved via blockchain-based currencies. So even today, even in Ukraine, out of all places, I pay for 90% of my transactions, you know, restaurants, cafes, things like that, with Apple Pay. And if you guys haven't used it, basically you load your credit card on your phone, even without service. I like I eat at this restaurant that's underground all the time, no service. I can double tap my phone, which unlocks it with my fingerprint. So authenticates it's me. I can touch my phone to their credit card machine, which is their their PayPass machine, and it charges my phone. It sends me an instant receipt, so I can see how much exactly it was. So I don't need paper, and it just at the end of the month it's built to my card. And that to me is not the future. That is what all transactions should be. And I'm curious when when will it be the case that I can do the exact same thing, but with some kind of cryptocurrency where it doesn't matter that I'm in Ukraine using US dollars and you know I can just have some kind of money in some kind of crypto and then be able to do something as simple as, as Apple Pay. One of the trade-offs of blockchain is that it does a thing called confirmations. So it takes maybe six confirmations for your payments to go through. And this is done for security reasons and it's part of like the consensus mechanism and whatnot. So you, as far as I know, 
there, there is one team, I think it's called, I think 10X are tackling it. You can check out 10X. They're making like debit cards and stuff like this. They are tackling this problem where they can pre-authorize, right? And then charge you after, depending on like your history or something like this. Unfortunately, I think in the near future, you'll always need internet to make these transactions. Because the reason is, is because the way, for example, block Bitcoin works is that your transaction is spread over thousands and thousands of nodes distributed across the world that all take the same information. And this is how they stop malicious attackers and hacks and stuff like this. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with only being able to spend it with internet connection. I actually think that's kind of like a bonus that I can do that even. But let's just assume that we are connected. We're not eating in these basement restaurants. How soon do you think we'd be able to, to load up some kind of Apple Pay type app or even have it integrate with Apple Pay and just be able to pay with either Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency with that kind of ease? I think relatively fast. It's, it's not innovations within blockchain. It's more like mixing blockchain with real-world technology that's already used. So I could be completely wrong, but I don't know. It used to be like this digital nomad life hack going around that was completely stupid. But for example, on an airplane, I think like two or three years ago, there's, there's no connection to internet or stuff like this, right? So if they bring around a card terminal, you can essentially give them like a fake card or something like this, and it'll like pre-authorize it. And then when you get off the plane, it goes through. It was a terrible idea anyway because, you know, your card's linked to your passport or name and it can check your seat number and stuff like that, whatever. So it's pre-authorized, right? And so when you were downstairs, what I think they did is said, okay, it's less than $40. He spent $10,000 with us over last year. Pre-authorize it. We'll do it when he gets internet connection. Okay, that definitely makes sense. But I guess my, my question is more, like, regardless of the internet and the connection, just the convenience factor of having my money loaded, loaded up. Uh... We're working on it. There's a ton of teams working on it because a huge pain point and a lot of value for consumers, right? Because right now, I think one of the biggest problems with Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in, in general is... Can I buy a loaf of bread? Can I buy a loaf of bread? There's more nuanced problems such as price volatility and stuff that, you know, even as an evangelist that we may be, we have to acknowledge is a huge problem, right, for, for the average adopter. I think we'll see it sooner rather than later there's a bunch of icos and startups trying to tackle it can you buy things off of amazon with bitcoin i don't think so but there's no amazon here so i haven't tried in a while i think that actually would be like the the big kind of change maker it, they must be it, looking at it. there must be a news article on it i'm gonna pull up my phone right now and check yeah please do it and while, while you do that i'm actually thinking for my course launch when it comes out that i'm gonna start accepting bitcoin I actually thought about this when I had my dropshipping stores because I thought it'd be cool just to have it, but I couldn't do it with my e-commerce stores because of the price volatility. And for example, if somebody bought a $1,000 item or $1,000 worth of items off of my e-commerce store and I got it in Bitcoin, unless I just instantly cash that out into US dollars, which almost kind of defeats the purpose of it, if I just held on to that Bitcoin, by the time I had to, you know, I had to order the products... And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't dropshipping from from China. I was actually dropshipping from the U.S. So my margins were only like thirty percent maximum, you know, twenty to thirty percent. If I had to spend seven hundred dollars worth of my own money, or seven thousand of my own money, and then all of a sudden the the value of the Bitcoin dropped, I would have just got screwed. I think in the short term we we won't see it in things like dropshipping for the reasons you just just described. In digital products and services, uh, I reckon the best answer, my advice would be transition, take both payments. And I think the added value in people being able to instantly buy and receive with lower fees, they're avoiding these fees that you were talking about earlier, um, it might actually like increase like net revenue and profit for you 
because more people are like, well, I can buy it through more methods. So, so actually, that's what I'm thinking I'm doing with from when my course comes out because it's digital and there's no hard fixed cost on it. There's no you know margin per se. I think my plan is to accept you know credit card as the the main mechanism through Stripe, and then I'm so happy that Stripe has an option where you can add Bitcoin as an alternative payment method. I looked at the instructions and it looks pretty complicated. So I'll probably have Chris do it, <laughs> but it's possible to integrate with the Stripe now. And then I think from the user's point of view, it's pretty easy. And my my goal with it, I think what I would do is accept Bitcoin payments into like a like a wallet somewhere, and then just not touch it and just leave it and just kind of think of that money as future earnings that I hope will be more. And if it's less, I didn't actually lose any sure like you know hard cash from it. So as far as far as I know. Stripe, spot price, spot checks the price and automatically turns into fiat, like dollars or whatever. If you wanted to hold on to Bitcoin, there are like services like Stripe that take basically no fees and just dump you the Bitcoin and send the product to the end user, right? Again, it's dependent on who you are. And if if you think, okay, I'm bullish on crypto, I'll take Bitcoin and Ethereum because, you know, uh, but perhaps you can consider adding 3% to the price. Right, so if they send you Bitcoin, you, they add three percent, and it takes out some of the volatility. Yeah, okay, I guess that makes sense. Where it almost makes sense to give them a three percent discount because then I'm not paying the credit card fee. So maybe we'll just meet in the middle sure. and just say, you know, there's no, there's no extra, you know, extra charge to use Bitcoin, but there's also no discount because it makes sense. You know, where even though I'm saving, you know, two or three percent on the credit card fee, I also have the volatility. So it's almost kind of like a wash. It's so funny because. Really, the hardest thing is the problem we're facing as an agency now is because we get paid in tokens and, and stuff like this is what do we do with it, right? So if you're getting paid, you know, a chunk of change in, in crypto, you're, you're then having to manage basically investments and trading, right? Which is a headache. And if, if you wake up and you look at your phone and you look at this app called Blockfolio and you're like, fuck, I've lost 30% of my net worth because <laughs> Bitcoin's gone down today. But, you know... It, it's, it's a worry, isn't it? Or if you wake up and you're like, oh, it's up 30%. I'm rich. And then you go to you know the restaurant and you're like, crap, I don't have any cash on me. <laughs> and they don't take Bitcoin. Yeah, it's we're facing a huge problem now cashing out. It's, it's funny, yeah. Well, so here's the thing is I know a lot of people now who have made a lot of money with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the reason why, in at least in my mind, I'm like, you didn't make that money yet is because it's you've made that money on even you can't even call it on paper because it's not even on paper but you've made that money like virtually but until you actually cash out and and turn it into something spendable like for example US dollars you haven't actually made that money yet it's unrealized gains just like how my Vanguard account is now worth you know 20% more than it was last year because stocks have gone up I don't count that as money I've earned because I, any day now I can wake up and it's gone. And until I actually cash out, it's like in my mind, I'm like, I haven't made that money. So I'm an early guy, right? So I'm a, I'm a huge crypto enthusiast. So for us, cashing out is like changing it from tokens to a fear of Bitcoin. And that's like real money, right? Because of our perceived value of it. But what's funny is like, it, it's like you're taking another step uh, deeper where your idea of cashing out is to turn it into Bitcoin. My yeah, idea yeah, yeah. of cashing out is to turn it from whatever that that coin is to 
a more known coin like Bitcoin to something I can actually spend right. like like dollars. You can spend directly Bitcoin at an ATM at uh, a card terminal, something like this. So you can you can use your a card and, and get cash from an ATM. Yeah, there's there's plenty. Zappo, BitPay, 10x, Monaco. And what like what are the fees associated with that right now? Stat because they because uh they use Visa and Mastercard, right? So, so it's like similar to Visa and Mastercard with lower conversion fees. And when you say Visa and Mastercard, is that more like um like a cash advance where they charge a lot of fees, or is it like an ATM withdrawal where there's just the the conversion fee but but no like actual charge i don't have the price in front of you but for example if you're living in the u.s and you have a u.s visa card then i could be wrong but i think like atm withdrawal fees are like zero uh, paying with the card at restaurants and stuff is zero percent right they just do the conversion fee which is minimal but like taking out it's like one percent one point five percent and then if you're in a foreign country using a different currency to the visa card currency then it's like two point five three percent Okay, and I think that's still manageable, even though it almost kind of takes the the, the point away of right. having Bitcoin. Is it, it shouldn't matter what my home currency is, and I, I actually looked up the the Amazon if Amazon will take take Bitcoin. D- did you find it on your phone as well? A lot of people want it, but it hasn't happened yet. I think that's what that's what what I read as well. Uh, it looks like though with some services like eGifter or Gift, you can redeem uh, Bitcoin for gift cards like amazon gift cards so there's a there's a workaround right now but in, i think until if i wake up and amazon says we now accept bitcoin then i know it's state that that that's it that's, then that's it's state. yeah i would also spend every single last penny i have on bitcoin as soon as amazon announced they said bitcoin yeah and i mean it's kind of like the i don't want to say amazon is the gold standard it is the gold standard but i figure if i had a hundred grand in Bitcoin, and I couldn't spend it anywhere else but Amazon for the rest of my life. I'd still be okay with it, you know. Even though Amazon would have an even bigger monopoly, and then they can screw people even more. But that's a whole other subject. I think what I'm excited about isn't necessarily Bitcoin because everyone has heard about Bitcoin. I think most general people that are not crypto fans didn't even hear about Ethereum or these other coins until pretty recently. But what I'm kind of excited about are these new coins coming out with actual use cases like what, what what and that's what you guys do right yeah so tokens so can you explain can you explain that what does it actually mean okay technologically a token is at the moment so it's changing of course all the time you'll, you'll see these things called erc20 tokens and it's built upon the ethereum network so you'll see a lot of icos doing tokens on the ethereum network and you have these smart contracts and things like this and as it turns out, smart contracts in Ethereum is very well suited to solving real-world problems in finance, real estate, law, anything where you need trust and like trustless parties. These tokens and companies offering these tokens are then trying to challenge these problems. For example, one of our clients does invoice factoring. It's like a $74 trillion a year market, you know, started by some old Austrian families, hasn't been disrupted and can be, can be completely disrupted via blockchain and tokens and things like this. And so usually you'll have your token. If you're speculating, speculating on ICOs, you know, you, you, the main thing you're look, going, going to look at is the type of token this ICO offers, right? And there's huge problems around that. Because at the moment, if it's considered a security or asset, for example, if it's tied to underlying equity or if it offers dividends or anything like this, there's a very good chance the owners are going to go to jail unless they go through SEC compliance. 
So what a lot of big ICOs are doing are donation tokens, such as EOS, where you kind of just donate to the project and hope it will be worth something later. Or you have utility tokens, where actually within the platform, ecosystem, whatever it is, the tokens are then used. So the more demand there is for the tokens within the platform, as the platform gets more popular, you hope, the higher the value of the token. So, you know, not necessarily the, the ones that you've helped launch, but is it in general, what are some use cases that you've seen for tokens? There's some really, really interesting... One of my favorites is, is for this site called Steemit. And it's like Medium, but on the blockchain, right? And so you can post content, and then if you upvote, you get more currency. The more you post, you get more of this currency. And it's like incentivized posting, which is really, really nice. Another one is uh, this product called Grand Central. And they actually solve this problem of equ- uh, liquidity pools between exchanges and brokers and stuff like this. And the tokens are needed within this their own blockchain, right? Super, super use case utility tokens where it'll have to be used in the future because they're literally building the entire future infrastructure for finance, for the entire world, for crypto. Like that's in the same use case. Can you think of any kind of off the top of your head possible use cases for tokens? You know, whether it's not possible at the moment to build, but just like the ideal situation of what a token can be used for. There's different challenges that the world faces at the moment. And it's it's more a case of what can they be used for, where, and what's the highest impact. It's going to sound weird to say, but actually media. So first we'll see commercial media and ad buying change. So we're seeing things like ref token for affiliate marketing actually or the bat token basic attention token for advertising and so slowly we're changing all of our current systems into tokenization because it makes so much more sense for the reason we listed before but soon it'll go into like news sites fake news and one of the greatest uses of tokens is in a thing called a dao a decentralized autonomous organization and these are basically ecosystems where Every decision has to have a 51% consensus and your token actually has voting rights. So we're going to see it in things like democracy, right? This is a huge problem we have. We're going to see it in things like news websites on fake news and things like this, right? Where you have to offer some sort of value to a certain bias or non-bias to say that, yes, this is real news, right? It's, it's a bit meta, but it's these real world things and huge problems for us right now that we see publicly because at the moment tokens are mainly used on the back ends of banks and stuff like this and they're making these things more efficient but the average joe me and you we're not really seeing it i like that and i actually almost kind of think it as i don't want to say like the gamification of life or things we do but it actually makes sense that when we consume media for example like we're reading a news article right now we don't really have a way or an incentive to curate the best media or sure. go out you know out of a way to say is this good or not and uh, i actually started using steam it because of this and oh yeah you use steam it yeah yeah i saw a comment on your face so if you guys aren't familiar with with what it is it's basically like medium or i don't know tumblr or, or like linkedin medium maybe. yeah something like that but it incentivizes readers to upvote good quality content or comment on good quality content share good quality content and then downvote bad content and I use my, my personal blog as, as an example where the most popular posts are actually no longer relevant. So people should be downvoting that post and saying, stop having this show up on the most popular posts because it was for like a job opening two years ago that's filled. And right now, because it's built on 
like blogger, but I think even like WordPress doesn't really have a way to do this. There's no way for people to read it and be like, okay, I've read this and it is not no longer relevant. Let me, you know, push this down and create better, better posts. Exactly. And uh, so we're talking about real world solutions. So, okay. It's a bit weird and a bit on a tangent, but I believe that the US political election was won and lost on Reddit. And it stemmed from Reddit and 4chan and these memes and the alt-right and whatever, whatever. Reddit was definitely botted. We know because a lot of the marketing we did before all the ICOs and stuff like this, for like growth hacking and whatnot, we botted Reddit. Like we can completely game Reddit. It's still gameable today. Most sites are gameable. Medium uses momentum mechanisms. Product Hunt uses momentum mechanisms. All the same thing, just different styles. All gameable. If you have to pay or reach consensus in some way for, for example, on Steam it, you can't bot it as easily, right? Like it becomes a whole different game. And so, you, and so you're stopping this. And this is what I was kind of alluding to when I was talking about news, right? You can stop <laughs> bad quality content. And again, it's completely, completely biased, right? I mean, what we might find is like super left wing. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be super interesting to see. Super, yeah. And by bot it, you mean basically create automatic bots to upvote, downvote, share, you know, basically make it look like it's it's a high quality article that has traction. Yeah, exactly. I mean, for the majority of subreddits, other than like all world news or Reddit videos and stuff, you can completely boss it using like Twitter and just there's actually services like $10 for 100 upvotes, Reddit bots, like completely game it. Okay, makes makes sense. So I'm excited about these future use cases. I'm excited about new cryptocurrencies coming out. I'm excited about, you know, just a- adoption of it. I'm glad that you are on the forefront helping these uh, new ICOs launch. People want to know more about about the ICOs you're launching and all that. How can they find out? Uh, I think the best way is uh, Medium. It's at Shad, S-H-A-D, writes, W-R-I-T-E-S. And I just like to write about the problems, but I, I do it from more of a marketing perspective. So it might be more interesting to you guys. Okay. I, I think it'd be cool. And I, I think it's uh, super smart that you have, you know, kind of moved your skills from marketing for e-commerce and you know, drop shipping, which it sounds like it was a good idea for you to get your base on. But now you're really on the kind of forefront of something really big that could potentially make, you know, not just hundreds of thousands of dollars, but millions, if not even more. Let's see. Can I do a quick plug? Yeah, please. Guys, we're, we're hiring. We need uh, Japanese PPC guys or women, anything, and American PR. If you're interested, hit me up. I, I like it. And actually, I actually shared one of your job uh, postings on our Facebook group. Uh, I think it was the the Nomad Summit uh, or Travel Like a Boss Army Facebook group. Oh, thank but you. You're welcome. And it's cool. You're, you're basically having people fly to ukraine to do this or how does this work so we've flown like a bunch of oh it's funny we've flown a bunch of people to ukraine you've seen us grow right we went from when johnny first met me we had two people and this was like three weeks ago and now we've got five and by the end of next week we'll have 10 so it's a little bit nuts uh, but we're shipping them off to beijing and stuff to go like hustle on the ground that's so insane. Actually, that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show so so bad. And I'm so glad that you took the time to do it because I know you. you have a busy day. Because I was like literally watching in front of my eyes every day like you have a new hire and you're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're like, hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's pretty crazy as well. Yeah. And actually, if you guys listened to the last episode, 172, he was one of the, the new guys. Yeah, Will's a new hire. We imported him from uh, the beautiful Los Palmas in Gran Canaria. He left yeah. his girlfriend like literally – Flew over the next day, met me in Warsaw, and then we got a plane for, together from Warsaw to Kiev, twenty four seven. 
This is so insane. I, I don't know if you guys realize this, but this is literally the wild, wild west right now. And you guys are are here for the next birth of something huge. So if you guys are interested in this topic, check out Shad's post on Medium. It's Shad Writes. Yep. And follow the podcast, follow my blog, because I'm excited about this. So I'll probably be talking about this a little bit more. Leave a comment. Start a thread in the Travel Like a Boss Army. And we'll see you... Uh, next week brilliant thank you so much johnny i've been i've been nagging johnny to get me on this podcast for ages because i used to i used to read his blog like three years ago before before i dropped out of uni and got one way to bangkok i was like fuck yeah i'm gonna be like johnny fd i'm gonna be so sick and then it happened and now i'm here having a podcast with him I, you know i actually didn't know that you you read the blog that long ago i thought you just found it uh recently. no 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 it was one there was like three contributing factors and you were like the second main one. Oh, that's really cool i thought you found me from no the guy no when i met chris no uh, not, not chris that guy <laughs> oh that guy <laughs> no when i met I, I knew about you way before and so and so i saw chris in the lobby he's like yeah my friend is johnny i was like really that guy i was like that guy looks so familiar he's like oh it's uh johnny i was like fuck i was like you gotta intro me and then we and then me and johnny bonded over a mutual dislike for certain things so i, I remember that, that first conversation and i was like I don't dislike Peter Levels. I just think he's completely wrong about dropshipping being a scam. And and obviously, like, you've managed stores for other people, right? So, like... Well, he called ICOs a scam. Did he? Okay. Yeah. And, I mean, here's the thing is not every business is going to is gonna work out, right? Whether it's an ICO, an IPO, or or dropshipping store, or an e-commerce in general. And, and I think the fact that he says it just doesn't work at all is, like, insane to me. It's not VR. It's a scam. <laughs> Just do you. Just do you. Yeah. And so I, I have a whole rebuttal to him that like is just facts. I try to take all the emotion out of it because I think he's a nice guy. Like I've met him like f- at least f- five or ten times. We've hung out. We've had beers. He's really? a smart, nice guy. But I think in his mind, everyone in the world should be a programmer. And in my mind, I'm like, no, like I would not be a good programmer. I would suck at it. And you know what? I think it's great that programmers exist because they, you know, program cool stuff. Right. But for me, for thousands of other people like dropshipping was the best first thing we can do and for a lot of people that is they're like you know what? i'm perfectly happy making you know five to ten or twenty grand a month doing just this i don't need to you know start another business or get into something else i'm like i'm perfectly happy with this agreed all right so <laughs> bit of a tangent bit of a tangent <laughs> check out that post if you guys are curious uh we'll, we'll have a link to it it's basically the post i think says peter levels is wrong about dropshipping and that's it so i'll see you guys next week thanks again shad best of luck everyone all right peace out all right i hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast thanks again to shad for coming on the show and i also want to give a big thank you to everyone who's been leaving these great reviews on the itunes store and also just wherever else you can leave review honestly i actually don't know where you can leave podcast reviews online so if you guys know of a place uh, leave a review of the show and let me know send it to me on the travel like a boss army facebook group or in the show notes uh, leave a comment let me know where you've left uh, review because we really really appreciate it this is how more people find this show and this week i want to say thank you to brwjndj for saying so inspiring five stars keep going great work and thanks again to our sponsor tripstreak.com if you want to book a flight out here to ukraine to work on an ico or if you want to fly out to Warsaw to hang out and have some food, whatever it is, 
check out tripstreak.com slash travel like a boss to find the easiest and best way to book a flight online. Thanks again. I'll see all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.